So our show is called A Song Can Change Your Life. And A, do you even believe that? Is that your phone ringing? It was, I will say That's great. She's fired, Jared. <laughs> She's fired. Can we get somebody else? Have you written any songs, Jared? Oh my goodness. Jared, I can't work like this. Can you call Mike? Maybe Mike has written a song that we could talk about. Great. All right, back at it. Three, two. Hi, everyone, and welcome to A Song Can Change Your Life, a podcast where we talk with one songwriter about one of their songs one-on-one. Our show is powered by Home by Dark, a concert experience like no other. To learn how a song can change your life, visit homebydark.com. My name is James, and on this episode, I connected with hit songwriter and friend of Home by Dark, Billy Montana. Billy has written number one songs for Jody Messina, Sarah Evans, Garth Brooks, and Lee Bryce. We grabbed a few minutes backstage before a Home by Dark concert in Atlanta and dove into his song, House of a Thousand Dreams, which was recorded by Martina McBride. Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome to A Song Can Change Your Life. We're here today with uh, my buddy, Billy Montana. Billy, welcome to Atlanta. Thank you. I always, always love coming here. To be well, you're one of our favorites. Um, and uh, I know I, I always introduce you as uh, the wonderful Billy Montana, and that's because your your legal people make me say that, which is... Uh-huh. Yeah. Which is I've, um, I've seen the contract. Yeah, yes. it's uh, kind of uncomfortable, to be honest. <laughs> but since, you know, you're obligated. We're you... friends. It's okay. Yeah. Um, so the name of this whole podcast is called A Song Could Change Your Life. And I love asking songwriters that question is, um, is that, has that proved itself true in your Absolutely. own life? You know? No question. There's no question. And I think, uh, I think it starts, for me, it started before I started writing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I think, in fact, I think the whole reason that people like us write in the first place is because we were so inspired by music, a song. And uh, so we wanted to continue that somehow, mm-hmm. I guess, or be a part of that or experience that or whatever it is. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I would say most definitely. Yeah. And there's different levels of that. I mean, there's, there's certainly, especially in what you're doing, which you've, you've had, you have some great commercial success. So there's the aspect of it where something you've written um, from the business side has changed your life, you know, open doors, that type of thing. In a all, professional sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like a level of credibility and there's a, there's a commerce within songwriting world, especially in Nashville with cuts and um, that can change you, but also just driving down the road and hearing something and changing your whole day. Yep. You know, Absolutely. Which, is pretty, which is pretty cool. Absolutely. And, and, and so I, I um, listen to all your stuff, a lot of stuff. And, and, um, and the song I want to talk about, um, House of a Thousand Dreams is one of the songs that I did. I didn't fully know what the song was about and wasn't fully aware where it was going, but it was one of those songs where it immediately had my attention. And it was a combination of a thought lyrically, but also the melody was hitting me and, and it, it just, it got me. And it's, so when I wanted to narrow down your catalog of something I want to talk about, this is the one that, man, had me from the get-go. And wow. I'm kind of curious to know um, where the idea came about for you and is it is it personal? It's so interesting that you picked up on that because when people ask me, like, what is probably my favorite song I've ever written, House of a Thousand Dreams mm. is it. Wow. So it's interesting that you picked up on that. And the reason that it's it is because it's the song that best depicts 
the story of my life when we moved to Nashville in 1989. Uh, my wife and I already had <clears throat> two kids and she was pregnant with our third, which we didn't know at the time of the move or else we quite possibly wouldn't have moved. You know what oh, I mean? It was yeah. like, we, that probably would have been a reason not to relocate yeah. uh, a thousand miles away from family. But um, since we didn't know until after we were already down south, um, we, we carried through with it. Um, but anyway, uh, I delivered pizzas for five years when we first moved to Nashville, just trying to make it. Just get by. Yeah. And you know how that is. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's hard to make a living in the music business. Uh, I had a publishing deal, but it wasn't, um, wasn't enough to live off right. of. And so we do whatever we can to see the dream come true. And, and we ended up being able to buy a house for like, we paid fifty seven nine for a house, fifty seven thousand nine hundred dollars for a house, <laughs> like a car now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so it wasn't like uh, obviously, you know, when we had some help from uh, in laws, my mm -hmm. in laws, and and that kind of thing to even be able to do that. But we lived in that house for fourteen years. So and for and for that fourteen years, like I didn't have a hit record for another twelve years or ten years after moving into that house. Wow. Yeah. But but what House of a Thousand Dreams is about is I always felt like I wasn't doing my part as the husband and the father of bringing home the bacon, mm -hmm. like like I was supposed to be doing. Yeah. My wife was working really against her better judgment again certainly against her will because you know we had to make ends meet the only way we could possibly do that was for her to uh work outside the home and her desire was to be a wife and a mother mm -hmm. that's all she really ever wanted to be and so it was kind of going against the grain for her but she made the most of it yeah and so the first verse is the father yeah. saying you know i'm not living up to my responsibilities the second verse is the mother saying I'm going to make the best of what we have, and then the last verse is the is the clincher, yeah. which is uh, our kids were completely oblivious right. to the fact that we had nothing materially, yeah. uh, because we loved our kids with everything we had, and that's all a kid really wants, needs, yeah. recognizes. You know, yeah. uh, they don't need the stuff; they need the love, and so I think that's part of why it's so powerful. And 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 when I was listening to it, because as a husband, I mean, we've certainly been through those stretches, especially when you're first married. Of um, as a guy, you just you know you marry your wife and you wanna you wanna provide a great life for her, right? And but man, there are times when you're pursuing ambition that it just doesn't it's not there financially. And for guys, men, you know, we if if we're struggling financially and we got other people that are depending on us. You, you can feel like a failure at times. Exactly. And it's a, it's a, and it's a, it's a massive stress. Exactly. And so immediately you had me at that first verse. And then, you know, I, I've seen my wife clip coupons and stuff like that going, <laughs> you know what? He's a good guy. He's a good man. And, you know, I'm going to do my part. But even hearing that as a guy, you go, man, I don't want her to have to do that. Exactly. I want to provide better. Exactly. And so you wrestle with that as a husband and wife. But then hearing the, the little boy in the third verse get what is really a pure perspective, uh, of the true perspective Absolutely. of saying, hey, man, that don't matter. I got mom and dad loving me. And it's, it, it, it's, a, it's a very sobering song and a sweet song. And it's, it's one that I think just 
everybody can relate to. And it's a, power, awesome. it's, a, it's a powerful message. It's actually one of the songs that I get the most response from whenever I play it out. I've played it out less, you know, because I think we wrote it maybe in... I'll tell you what, too, about this song. It's an interesting thing because people always ask, you know, how long does it take to write a song? Mm -hmm. Well, that depends on the song. But this song was probably a 13-month process. Mm. So a guy named Ilya Tashinsky, who's a great musician, he came over uh, from Russia with a band that started out, a band called Bering Strait. Oh, yeah. And they used to be, they they came over as a classically trained bluegrass band from Russia. Mm -hmm. You know, what a... (laughs) <laughs> you know, what an interesting yeah. thing, but I got to be friends with everybody in the band, wrote songs with them. And so Ilya, who is now an extremely successful studio musician in Nashville, plays on all kinds of master sessions, great guitarist. Um, Ilya and I came up with the music and I love the music so much. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to let it go with just an ordinary title. I wanted an extraordinary title. Yeah. And so for a long time, and I'm not saying that's the only song I worked on for 13 months. That's silly. I, I wrote every day. And I didn't write every day on this song, but it was always in the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd, I'd get the music out, I'd play the music. And, and I you sort of like, knew when the right one would line up. You knew you would did. know when it happened. Absolutely yeah. did. And so then when I got that title, House of a Thousand Dreams, I got together with a girl named Janai, the same uh, girl I wrote Suds in the Bucket with, mm-hmm. and ran that title pastor. Well, she loved it immediately. And then we spent another two days uh working on a lyric that was real solid, you know, to, to embody that sentiment of all of those things that we've already talked about. What a valuable choice. Cause I, I wrote, I write with a, a lady in Atlanta named Cheryl Rogers and there's certain songs where you got to have a female perspective. And on this particular song, um, I, I, when I, before I knew you had co-writers on there, I, I almost assumed you had a female co-write cause that second verse is, is written like a woman who's been through this. Yeah, there's a line in the second verse call, uh, that says, uh, uh, I'll find some yard sale curtains for the windows and sew some yellow trim along the seams. Well, that was that was Janai. You wouldn't have come up with that. I, uh, I totally would not have come up with that. Another uh, interesting story about it is our oldest son uh, was in high school. He loved the song, and it was before, mm. it was before Martina... McBride cut the song. He just loved it. Um, I played it all the time and put it on like an independent project that I did or whatever. But um, so he calls me one time and I'm in, I'm kind of distracted, but he's he's on the phone and he's going, "Hey, Dad, uh, what is the uh, what's the chorus to House of a Thousand Dreams? Is it uh, I'll keep praying, hope we'll go on living in this house of a thousand dreams?" And I was like, "Yes, yeah, that's, that's you know." What the, what the mama says, you know? He says, all right. And then he hangs up. Well, it turns out what he was doing was getting a tattoo. Oh, wow. And he that was his wow. first tattoo. Wow. Was I'll keep uh, cool on, his, on his shoulders. I'll keep praying. Hope will go on. So he relates that whole third verse. Yeah. yeah. Because he knows it's them. Yeah. You know? And uh, What a I'll, cool legacy for your family to have that song in your life. Yeah. It was kind of a sucker punch that he went and got a tattoo, uh, but it, but when it's he, if, the blow if he's going to tattoo your lyrics to himself, I mean, what the heck? What am I going to do? Did you get a cut of the tattoo, Charlie? Did you get a percentage of that? <laughs> so, was... so you guys wrote it and you demoed it. Um, when Martina cut it, how um, how different was her sort of interpretation of it than what you guys did? The song 
went through many phases. We, we, we did so many demos of this song hmm. because it was my publisher's favorite song hmm. in the catalog. And, um, and so we did a male version, a female version. We did a duet version. Mm-hmm. We tried a couple different melodic things. Um, and we tried full demos, stripped down demos. And nothing was getting... It went seven years before it got cut. But it had to be, I mean, it's such a powerful, it had to be getting attention. Well, here's what, I, I actually had two publishers working that song, Moraine Music, uh, Diana Mayer and Brent Mayer, and Curb Music, which was Drew Alexander uh, pitching the song. And from both of those publishers, they said, everybody listens the whole way through wow. to the end of the song, Rare. says, yeah. I love that song. But then they failed to cut it. They wouldn't go ahead and cut mm-hmm. it. And I think, you know, it might be because everybody's looking for the rock and up-tempo thing. Right. If you think about the time sure. that it was, you know, the early 2000s. So we probably wrote the song in 99, 2000, got recorded in 07. So it took someone like Martina who... She's who, not afraid to say yeah, she'll stuff sing, like that. Yeah, what registers with her. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's very, uh, she's gutsy when it comes to songs. Oh, yeah, and sing her rear end off. That's, man, her recording's just great. Yeah. And so so you guys write it. You got Martine interpreting it now on the record that people hear and recognize. And But you're playing it live now, uh, ever since, I, I'm assuming, since you wrote it. And and so how is, uh, is, is that, is it one of the, you got so many great songs, but is that, if you do a, a, a Billy Montana concert, is that does that stand out? Is one that people kind of register with? Absolutely. I, I think maybe more than any song I play, hmm. if I put it in the set, that's the one that people go, yeah. man, that song like choked me up or yeah. whatever, you know. Um, I don't play it all the time because it's a ballad, you know. Like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, and I know that sounds crazy, but on the other hand, it, it depends on how many songs I can play. Yeah, yeah. You sure. know, if I have people want to hear hit songs. Right. And, you know, so that they can... You know, I think it's fun for them to see where that they've heard the song sure. on the radio. And so they want to know what were the circumstances, right. circumstances surrounding that song or whatever. So I'm, I'm cognizant of that. Right. Um, but if there if I have enough time, flow of show or whatever, I'll, I'll put the song, I'll put House of a Thousand Dreams in uh, just to you know, share that part of my life. Yeah, because, because you know, you're in the business of writing songs in Nashville. And, and, when you, and when you're churning out a lot of music, sometimes you can write songs that are, are good songs, but don't come from a deep absolutely. emotional well, right? But this yeah, song absolutely. felt different to me for you. It's like, so like amazing. That, that that's coming, that's coming from some place that, that other songs haven't come from. Mm-hmm. And... You know, as, from my from my perspective as, as a producer of Home by Dark, it's like I know our people certainly enjoy hit songs and love when you come and play hit songs. But but I've also I also know the power of a of an authentic great song that comes from an emotional spot to where to, when they're 15 seconds into the song, truly don't care if it's a hit song or not. Yeah. It's like yeah, I'm feeling I'm feeling this at a very deep level that's that's affecting me. I love that. And so I would. You know, I'm not your manager, Billy, but I'm just telling you, <laughs> hey, I, you're going to start playing the song. Start playing more. the song every night. Uh, have a play a little bit of it for us. Uh, 
here in this little I, I little office we're in. I usually yeah. I'm just a man I work with my hands But lately no work has been around I wish that I could put more on the table Provide the life I'm sure my family dreams about But there's cracks in all the walls and all the windows and the flies, they find their way in through the screens I just hope that hope can go on living In this house of a thousand dreams And his wife says, my husband's a good man He gives all that he can I know he thinks he's let me down But I just want him and the children to be happy It's not always easy but it's all I dream about So I'll find some yard sale curtains for the windows And I'll sew some yellow trim along the seams and I'll keep praying hope will go on living In this house of a thousand dreams Daddy's a strong man And my mama, she loves him And they love my brother and sister and me And sometimes at night We'll lay out in the backyard We'll take turns wishing on The first star we see And the crickets always sing outside the windows And I love screens and I sure hope that we can live forever in this house of a thousand dreams yeah I sure hope that we can live forever in this house of a thousand dreams nice man it's one of those songs that has, has calibrated calibrated my perspective and i'm sure that's for a lot of people as well well i think you're probably right in that uh that's if you know because i like i said a lot of people do come up afterwards and say man that yeah. house of a thousand dreams really spoke to me and so i yeah. think i think you're right that a lot of people can relate to yeah where it, it, came it, from. it just you back to what you know is true back to true north and as you know yeah so it billy uh, it's yeah it's one of those Songs that affected me, and songs called 
the show is called The Song Could Change Your Life. That's one that certainly has dented me, affected me. So awesome, it has man. changed well, me. Thank you so much. Thank you for uh, thank you for doing. Thanks for writing it. Hey, I appreciate you picking up on it. It's Thank very you. cool that that's the one you <laughs> gravitated to. No. I'm telling you, it's no. like it's uh, I know the good stuff, Billy. I, I guess it. you do. You now you're my manager. Forget about it. Start singing this live, will you? All right. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. Our audio engineer is Jerry Knable. Theme music by Jim Hedinger. To learn how a song can change your life, go to homebydark.com.